you everyone for tuning in to another episode of my USA Name and Moms and More podcast. It's always uh, great to share with my Navy family. And today is a very special episode with a very, very special guest. It'll be a tough conversation, but there's a lot of hope. And I'll just let her uh, tell you uh, the story. My friend, Jennifer Herring Carrillo, she's the mom of three sons and two of which are twins, and they are members of the class of 2022. So Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today uh, to tell your story. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much for having me and for letting me share with you. I uh, just wanted to say that you and I met, obviously, the first time through one of the youngster parent meetings where you were talking, and that's the first time that I got to meet you, and then we kind of just kept in touch through messaging and following each other on Facebook and Instagram, and I just want to tell you thank you for having me and letting me talk. Absolutely. I am looking forward to you to this conversation and, and just to hearing your story and then what's coming out of that as well. Tell me a little bit about you. Okay. I grew up in Amarillo, Texas. I attended um, West Texas A&M, which is where I met my husband, Gerald. After graduation, we both moved to San Antonio. We got married in October of 96. I was working as a registered nurse and he was working as a pilot trying to get his flight time. And in in 1998, we had the twins, Duke and Dylan. And then in June of 2000, we had Jake. Gerald accepted a job with uh, United Parcel Service for flying, and we packed up. We moved to Louisville, Kentucky for a few years. Gerald did not want to be away from the boys, and that was really the easiest way for us to all spend as much time together as we could. And then when the boys got a little bit older, four and five, we decided we probably should be back to Texas since we're Texas people, (laughs) and we wanted (laughs) our kids to grow up as Texans, and we wanted to be near all of our family who was in Texas. So we ended up moving to Flower Mound, Texas, which is where we've lived since 2003. Currently, I am, I like to say I'm retired. I'm a retired registered nurse. I quit working uh, right when the boys got into high school, was kind of focused on them and their past and the getting into college and to the Naval Academy and all of that. And so I was fortunate enough to take a break that just kind of extended, (laughs) an extended break. And my husband is a captain for UPS. He flies the 747 internationally. Duke and Dylan were class of United States Naval Academy 2022. And Jake, their little brother, was class of 2023 at the Naval Academy. And just as a side note, prior to my kids attending the United States Naval Academy, we were not a military family. (laughs) So I've spent the last five years just learning how to be a good military mom and falling in love with the Navy, falling in love with the Naval Academy. And the last four years, I split my time between Flower Mound and Annapolis, which I was very fortunate to get to spend so much time in Annapolis. And I got one more year of getting to do that because it's a great place and just supporting my boys going back and forth. The last two years, also, I spent time uh, developing the foundation, which is what I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes. Yes, definitely. I want to hear about that. So I uh, totally agree with Annapolis being a great place. Joy this year and definitely make good use of your uh, DBIDS card and your midshipman store card because when those leave, I tell you, it's a rude awakening. <laughs> well, there's a, that remind me at the end of this podcast to tell you a sad but good note about those. When when this all happens to you, you get a permanent lifetime card to access the yard. Oh, so it's okay. kind of a weird 
situation. It's a weird situation, but it's a good situation because like, right. that means I can always go back and visit and not have to worry about how I'm going to get in. <laughs> if I do, <laughs> my heart true. is in Annapolis. It will always be in Annapolis and it's just a lovely place. So I'm glad that I can always go back and visit. As I mentioned, you're the mom of, of three sons and you have twins, members of the class of 22. Tell us about that. Well, I'll tell you, I'll start with Duke and Duke is my oldest twin. And that's the thing. He's the oldest <laughs> and truly he's the older brother in every sense of the word. He is my alpha, my little leader. He was a natural born leader, came out of the womb that way. He uh, was so smart. He, everything came easy for him. He had a sense of humor that was just infectious he, and a giggle that you would never expect from a guy that was that size, but he was a loyal and protective person and everyone just loved him. Teachers loved him. Everyone that met Duke loved Duke. And it reminds me of a story to kind of tell you a little bit about Duke, his fifth grade teacher at our parent teacher conference. And you know, it's one of those things where you have like a certain amount of time you have to meet with this teacher. And I had like three of them I had to check off. So it was more like, just tell me what I need to know. What are they doing? Do I need to get there? Are they in trouble? <laughs> like, just tell me. And she looked at me across the desk, grabbed my hands and started crying and told me, I think Duke's going to be president of the United States. And <laughs> I remember going, okay, well, I got to go meet two more teachers and I appreciate it. But he was just a, a kid that teachers love to have in their class. He excelled at school. He excelled at athletics and he was a big guy with an even bigger personality and I always have said he was my person and I think he was lots of people's person. He was my kid that I would call for anything. I mean, if, whether he was in Annapolis, whether he was in Newport, whether he was upstairs, if something went wrong, Duke could fix it, whether it's the remote not work or I can't, there's a leak or my car won't start or something's alarming. That kid could always, always had time for me, always called me to tell me that bad weather was coming or, you know, I always worried gas. about you or yeah. taking care of you. You need to put gas in your car. You need to get off Netflix and make sure you're listening to the news. It's a stormy day. And I just, he was just there for me. He, he loved music. He loved <laughs> embarrassing. So loved rap music so much and so loud, but he loved country and loved to sing. I, I, I'm so fortunate because I have videos of him little three second half minute videos of just watching him dance and sing and I mm. enjoy watching them but he was an avid outdoorsman all of his and him and his brothers were all avid outdoorsmen they loved to fish and hunt and he always wanted to fly and just like his brothers that's kind of why they went to the naval academy that's what pursued them to to want to to be a part of the naval academy family and the navy is because they wanted to fly they that was just something that they had always been interested in and was just a, a drive that they wanted. And I just like to say he was the best friend. He was the best friend to his brothers, Dylan and Jake, and he was the best friend to a lot of other people. And that's a little bit about Duke. And then Dylan is my the younger twin. So he's also the middle child, which I always laugh because I think those middle oldest, youngest child things, you know, have so many characteristics that reign true, but he's easy he is. He's easygoing. He's creative. He's kind. He, he is a, like a hard worker to the sense that is just amazing to me. Talented as far as like musically can sing, play a guitar, play lots of instruments, was just always somebody you would want in your corner. And 
I still do want him in my corner. I think he's going to be a, make a great officer because he is just very loyal, but also very compassionate. And he had a lot of twin love, <laughs> more so than Duke. He loved being a twin and he loved seeing Duke and Jake excel at anything. It always made him, I think, just as proud for them to excel at something as if he excelled at something. And I always loved that about him. Mm. And I always remember kind of as a, a side note that when Duke, obviously you'll realize this, but Duke passed away. And when Duke passed away, Dylan said that half of his heart went with Duke, but that meant that half of his heart, Duke's heart was still with him. And that was something he was going to carry on with him for the rest of his life. And then he was going to spend the rest of his life making Duke proud because they were supposed to be on this journey together. And I always feel lucky when I kind of remember that about him, because I think he does live his life every day to do that. Mm. And then that leads to Jake and Jake, Jake is the baby in every sense of the word. As a matter of fact, his nickname is baby Jake and it stuck with him and he's 22 years old. <laughs> is and he like, is he, uh, does he go with the flow? Just kind of, cause I found like with my, my, my kids, the birth order, like the older one is the responsible one, you know, the middle one. Well, she was a, she was a, I mean, it's a daughter, so she was kind of a firstborn in a way, but she's characteristics of both. But my last one was funny, just went with the flow. I don't know if you find that with Jake. I do in a lot of sense. He, he is extremely funny and witty and smart, alecky. I mean, I don't know how to say that, but like, he's just quick witted. He's a, like, he's a walking encyclopedia of just knowledge, but he's still the baby. <laughs> I think he, he might've got away with too much as he was growing up, but he's such a good kid with such a good heart. And he was also just a great athlete and school was really easy for him too. He was a smart kid. I, we always laugh in our family think he might be too smart for us. We have to, we have to watch him, but <laughs> him and Duke were best friends. They were inseparable. And the kid, I do want to say as a side note that Jake is an incredible chef. I mean, he does a lot of things, right. But that kid cooks every meal when he's home. He cooks every holiday meal from appetizers to, you know, dessert that the wow. child, the child can cook. That is amazing. So if the Navy doesn't work out, I told him he's he can be a chef. <laughs> he says that he was going to finish now what him and Duke started. I mean, he went to the Naval Academy because of Duke and he's, there was a time when I didn't know if he and Dylan were going to stay because they had a lot of reasons to not stay at the Naval Academy and they both pulled up, pulled up their bootstraps and and set themselves in and said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're doing it for ourselves and we're going to do it for Duke and Mm -hmm. it's the right thing to do. And they did it and they, they've done it. And I'm just super proud of them when it comes to that, because I think that they could have gone so many different ways. And I think a lot of people feared it would go a different way, but it didn't. And I'm just super proud of both of them, actually all three of them. Yeah. That's amazing. Dylan is now in Pensacola starting his flight trainings shortly. Oh, nice. So (laughs) is he going pilot? He is. Okay. And That's so awesome. we got him is all Jake, moved in. Is Jake hoping to go pilot as well? Yes. Well, okay. he's the baby. So he doesn't give up a lot of information. He, he's oh. very, very independent, very <laughs> independent. Like you, you don't ever really know what he's doing until he does it. But when he does it, he's prepared. So we, I think he is going to go fly. Yes. Okay. That's, that's what he's told us in the past, but it wouldn't shock me if he comes home and tells me that he's going to be a sub guy or a, like, I would not be shocked in what he path he, he takes. He's going to be a great leader. And I think he's going to be a really fine officer, yeah. whatever he chooses to do. 
I think um, I think just the fact that they uh, stayed and they worked through everything and stuck it out says a lot about their character and about their leadership. And with that said, I guess our listeners who don't know or don't know you get a sense that something happened. And so your family suffered great loss. Tell me about what happened. On February 8th, 2020, I was just out shopping with my girlfriends, kind of like a normal Saturday. And I got a phone call from Dylan, that's extremely panicked phone call from Dylan. And he had said that Duke had collapsed while running the PRT, which is the physical readiness test. And if any of you body listening is <laughs> Navy people, they know what a PRT is and what a physical readiness test is. In our family, the PRT is like a curse word. <laughs> and it was a curse word before any of this ever happened, just to be honest with you. There, we always laugh at our family because we say there's two kinds of people at the Naval Academy. There are those that just get up, put their tennis shoes on and go run the PRT and then get done and go on about their day. And it's a, kind of a non-event. And then there's the other people. <laughs> those are the ones that agonize about it, dread about it, have to train for it, prepare for it, you know, and that was kind of the situation that my boys were all in. They just, oh, the PRT, because my, my, my boys were, were big young men and they just were not runners. We, yeah. we weren't, they were, that wasn't in their characteristic. They, Duke was a lineman and, and all the way through his football career and he was a heavyweight wrestler and the other two boys were the same. And so while they were in good shape athletically, they were just not conditioned to be running all the time. So the PRT was always a big, a big deal at our house, even when it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I get that one. I mean, my <laughs> kids were swimmers. All three were swimmers, right? Um, and they had to put in extra work. So I totally get that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I love, I love the kids that, that can just go out there and it's just like, oh yeah, I have a PRT at noon. Let me put my shoes on. I got to go, you know? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen at our house. So. But, you know, like I said, they, one of the things I loved about Duke is he was just 245 pounds of pure muscle. He was a big guy. He had big hands, big feet. He had a big presence in every sense of the word. And it's his sheer size and strength was, was the thing. One of the things that we loved about him. And it's why we called him Moose. That was his nickname was Moose. He could physically and emotionally and personality wise, everything just fill a room just with his large presence. And I always used to say he was just awe-inspiring because the kid was just a strong kid. Mm. But um, Duke and Dylan both had gone to NAPS, which is Naval Academy Prep School. Mm -hmm. And I think Dylan went a little bit more for academics, and but I really believe Duke pretty much went just for conditioning. I think they mm -hmm. thought he might've just needed a little more conditioning because he was, like I said, he was a lineman and heavyweight wrestler. He was still at 245 at that, at that time. So they thought maybe he should just hone his running and, he was so smart. He used to talk, joke to Dylan and say, Dylan, you're the only reason we're at naps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And he hated naps. He hated naps. And I know for a fact, it's because he had never ran that much in his entire life. Mm. And he came home for Christmas and he had lost like 40 pounds wow. after being at naps. I didn't even look like himself. And at, at naps, they had actually assigned him a nutritionist who met with him every single day and like provided him snacks and extra food and just everything just to make sure he was getting enough calories every day because he was running off all the calories that he was eating every day. But I was so proud of him because, you know, he did it and he excelled in it. He excelled in his classes. He passed all of his physical marks and he was on his way. He knew he was going to become a Navy pilot. That was never a question. The kid was smart. He was like, this is what I'm doing. 
So we went, he went to the academy and he continued passing his PRTs, but you know, he always had to train. He never took it lightly. It was always something that he knew was always in the back of his mind. And so we knew his PRT was coming up that Saturday and it's like the white elephant in the room. You, you <laughs> can't really ask about it until they call and tell you I did fine. I passed, which they did every time. And, and so we just kind of like, weren't really talking about it. And I remember I texted him that morning and I'm like, you got this baby, you got it. And I love you to the moon and back. And that was really the last text I ever sent him. And I was, it always makes me, makes me sad. Cause I don't really know if he ever read it, but I know he knew, he knew I was in his corner, but so when Dylan called me, he didn't know anything. He didn't know any details at all. He was literally sitting in the front seat of the ambulance. He'd said that they had come in one of the midshipmen that was running with Duke had ran and actually found Dylan. And they had ran as fast as they could back to Farragut, which I think Dylan had told me later, he was like a farthest point away from Farragut as he could have ever been. And that he said, Duke's in the back of the ambulance, I'm in the front and we're headed to the hospital. And that's all we knew at that point. And I was with my good friends, Michelle and Mark Flagg and Mark is class of 85. And Duke is actually buried on the hospital grounds there at the Naval Academy <laughs> next to uh, Mark's dad and mom, the oh, flags, which okay. is a huge honor for us. Mark and Michelle's parents are actually Mark's parents, uh, Bud and Dee, they died on 9-11 on the plane that was hit, that hit the Pentagon. Oh, wow. So they were obviously very familiar with tragedy and they were very calm and reassuring. And they, they were a real part of our family already. We were very close to them. We, the kids, loved them. We spent a lot of time with vacations and everything with them. So they just stepped right in and, and we're like, we got this, let's, let's move forward. Let's get to the airport. Let's figure out how to get you where you need to go. And, and, and it would, they were a huge, a huge support for me. I had um, called my husband. He was on a trip in Anchorage and like any good husband, he's like, settle down. Let's just find out more information. This is probably a minor thing. Let's just, let's just wait. We're going to get some more information that I, you know, I told you I'm a registered nurse and I happen yeah. to be a cardiac nurse and I've worked with cardiac patients my entire career. I've worked with them in ICU for years, cardiac rehab, cath lab. So I think I knew maybe too much to not be panicking on the inside because okay. I was just running all the horrible possibilities in my head. Yeah. I, I think as parents, we do that regardless. So having the knowledge is probably yeah. worse. Your, your mind, you don't want your mind immediately go there. You try to keep it out of there and you know, it just keeps creeping in when you don't have any information. And at this point I had no information and I just kept thinking, okay, this is, I mean, I think all I'm doing at this point is just praying and just, that's all you can do. You just, you just start praying. And I immediately called uh, Bob and Ruth Peterson. And were they the, were they their sponsors? They were, they were actually They're so amazing. Oh, I mean, this is like my shout out my, my heck yeah, my unbelievable to the sponsor families and what an important role they play in these midshipmen's lives. He was probably one of the first few phone calls that I made and I called him and I don't think I even was done saying Duke is getting taken to the hospital in an ambulance and that guy's feet were already running to the front door and he was already in the car. That, yeah. And he actually got there at the same time. But to tell you how fast he got there, he got there at the same time the ambulance got there. Wow. And, and Bob and Ruth, I, I, I know for a fact that they 
are, are angels on earth and they were put in our lives for a very specific reason. And they become a part of our family. There, there were times in for several years, I don't know that we would have made it without them. They were a support system that I probably will never know everything that they did for us mm-hmm. behind the scenes and where they stepped up and where they did things and, and helped us in ways that we will, we will just never be able to repay them. But so that's my little shout out to, to sponsor families and how important they are to these midshipmen. You can just never, never understand how important it is to have feet on the ground and to have somebody that that is looking out for your child and your children and are willing to really literally drop everything and be there for your child when you can't be there. And that's exactly what they did. And so I remember talking to Bob, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going in, I'll let you know more information when I, when I hear it. And at this point, after making phone calls to family, I'm, I'm just calling everyone. I think I called Dylan 10 times, Jake, Every friend I can think of, all of his best friends, his girlfriend, Bob, no one's taking my phone call. And I'm at this point probably as close to a state of panic as you can probably be. Yeah. And uh, one of my, one of Duke's company mates, mom, who I had become really good friends with, called me on the way to the airport and kind of just asked, are you, are you okay? And I'm like, no. I'm not okay. I don't know anything and I'm not okay. And she had said, well, my son was with Duke when this happened. Do you want to know what I know? And I'm kind of braced myself and was like, of course, I, I, I don't know anything. And so she had told me that Duke had stepped off the track about 30 yards from the end of the, of the run and had collapsed. She said that EMS was already on site. The ambulance was already right there where he was. And they, they had immediately started CPR. And I think at this point, you know, your world just kind of turns over and I, I had nothing. I had nothing. I could do anything. I just was praying and praying and praying. And I, um, finally Bob called me and I, or I got, I called Bob actually. And he took my phone call and I, I, you know, in my panic, I'm like, nobody's talking to me. I don't know anything. Nobody from the hospital's calling me. And he said that, uh, Dylan and Jake were in with Duke and that he was being worked on, which as an ICU nurse, that's never a good term when somebody's being worked on. And so I think almost, I think I said it almost hoping that he would say the complete opposite Mm-hmm. Or he would say, you don't need to worry. Everything's fine. Or like, they'll come and talk to you, let him get settled and that kind of thing. But right. I remember like, just, just screaming at him to call a priest and just to have a priest available. And I re- will never forget this. I have nightmares about it. If he said, there's already one in there. Oh my goodness. And so I think, well, I know that, um, that's the one thing you <laughs> never want to hear ever in your entire life because things were as bad as they were they could be at that point and I don't remember even getting I think from that point I don't really remember a lot of things I know we went to the airport and I I tried to remember as I was writing all this down and and preparing for this podcast like what was the time frame that we were looking at and like how long was it from the time I got the call and I don't know if it was an hour by the time I was at the airport trying to check in and try to get a flight and a phone call came in from an Annapolis number and just 
just so you know, I've been traumatized by this because I cannot get a call from an Annapolis number when my kids are at school that does not send me into that momentarily, just for a second, like state of panic. But the call came in from an Annapolis number and I answered it and it was Dylan. And he, bless his heart, he just asked me where I was, who I was with. And then he just said, you know, mom, we had to let him go. Oh my God. And he said, Duke's gone. And I just remember thinking what a horrible thing for a twin to have to, to, to go through. But, you know, he grew up a lot that day. Him and Jake grew up a lot that day. And I saw a strength in him that I didn't even know he possessed. And he was actually, you know, he inspires me because of the strength that he, that he had. And because he had to, he had to be the, the, the point of contact for Gerald and I, because Gerald had already just boarded a plane to try to get home from Anchorage. I'm trying to board a plane to get there from an, from Flower Mound, Texas. And he was, he was just the one, you know, he had to be there with him, but we did, we found, we found comfort. We found comfort in knowing that he didn't die alone, that he mm -hmm. died with Jake and Dylan being there and letting him know that they loved him. And he was supported by all of his friends and company mates and girlfriend and just all the people that just truly loved him were there with him. And, you know, I, I, I do find peace with that. Mm -hmm. But we found out later that he died from four chamber dilated cardiomyopathy and the doctors at Walter Reed could never tell us why it happened. They, they don't know if he had a virus that went to his heart, you know, it was right before COVID it was in February, you know, COVID hit us hard in March, you know, they didn't even test, we weren't even testing for COVID at that time. We just, we just don't know. And we'll never know. I mean, I remember talking, sitting with the doctors at Walter Reed and them telling me that sometimes medicine can tell us the what, but not really the why. And why? we know what he died from, but we don't know why he died from that. And so that's, that's been hard for me to accept as a nurse, you know, as a cardiac nurse, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I kept thinking, you know, did I not see this coming? Like I would, I just spent the long holiday week with them like two weeks before. I mean, we went shopping, went out to eat, went to movies and you know, what did I, what did I not see? I mean, these are, these are the kind of things that you're like, you just rack your brain because you're like, so I'm his mother. Yeah. yeah. I'm his mother. I'm, I was literally put on this earth to protect him. And that's what I was doing. I thought all my entire life. And I, I just felt like, man, the one time I wasn't expecting it or the one time I wasn't looking for something, it kind of just the worst happened, you know, the worst thing that could have ever happened happened. But, you know, the Navy and the, the, the Naval Academy and NCIS, they, you know, they did an extensive, extensive investigations, but they just could never come to any concrete answer. Basically, it was just to be told that he was a strong kid. And had he not been so strong, we might have seen symptoms or we might have seen something that he should have been functioning at a lot lower level and still instead of running a, you know, a PRT. But they decided immediately to send both Dylan and Jake through extensive cardiac testing, which came back clear, but it was a horrible horrible scary time for us because we were trying to come to terms with just the fact that we lost Duke but now is this something that's going to affect Dylan is it going to affect Jake their careers I mean we were just you know it was just one more thing that was out there that was driving us you know bonkers we've gone through some things with our daughter um, where she was a month in the hospital or second class year with an appendicitis that went wrong and but not 
to the to, to obviously to your level. So I I couldn't even I couldn't even begin to imagine questions and and everything that you were feeling at that time. Right, and you know, as a cardiac nurse, I was like, okay, well, well okay, a, a, a simple EKG would have would have showed us that something was wrong. Just a twelve second EKG would have showed us that something was wrong. So, what what did the one that he did when he got into the Navy say? Well, guess what. <laughs> They don't do EKGs. They didn't do 12. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think any of, I don't think any of my three kids did not get an EKG as part of their First of all, I'm thinking, how did I miss this? Like, how could this, I just assumed this was something they did, but no, they hadn't done them for anyone since 2002. And I mean, I was in a complete state of like, you have got to be kidding me. How is this not a thing? And like, how did I, how did I not know that they didn't do 12 EKGs on these kids through all of their you know, their DOD MERBs and all the stuff that they were doing, how did they not do a 12 lead EKG on these kids? Right. But, so I, after he died, Dr. Adam Saperstein and Dr. Mark Hagney from Walter Reed contacted me and they said, we are not going to let Duke die in vain. This, this, this just cannot happen. And he said, if, you know, if this is left to us, there are, there will never be another midshipman that dies because a simple EKG could, could detect any possible, you know, right. threatening arrhythmia or aberrancy. And uh, because of them and because of Duke in July of 2020, they started EKG screening for all plebes entering the United States Naval Academy. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that class alone, I think I'm, my numbers may not be hundred percent right, but I know they referred like 10 to Walter Reed for evaluation. And then eventually they did all 4,095 midshipmen. They all gave them EKGs and out of them, 87 were referred for further evaluation. And Dr. Saperstein has told me that unequivocally two of those lives were saved because they did the 12 lead EKG. That's amazing. So their hard work. I mean, they, Dr. Hagney and Dr. Uh, Saperstein, they made it into the Journal of American College of Cardiology in December of 2021. And then President Biden uh, signed the National Defense Authorization Act, which is the NDAA, for fiscal year 2022. And that included cardiac screening for the Naval Academy, West Point, and the Air Force Academy. That's and so incredible. That's incredible, right? That's incredible, and yes. It's, it's just like a, a, a glimmer of, of something that I know that if this can possibly save anybody from going through what we went through, then this is like, this, um, he's like an, a, an angel watching over right. all those kids. And I believe that I really do. And they said, they're going to use all that data from the three academies and eventually that they hope that it's going to allow them to expand it to all military entrance processing stations in the future. So that anyone going into the military is going to get this simple 12 second, 12 lead EKG. And that's just going to be a part of their entrance exam. That's incredible. So, yeah. yeah. It's that was, it's, it's a big thing. And it, it, it's, it's a hard thing to know that like my child didn't live, but that others, others are. And that's, 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 that's very comforting. And I try to remember on like days that are tough, you know, Dylan had told me, he goes, mom, you know, when those gremlins are in your head, he said, you just remember it, it doesn't matter how he died. It only matters that number one is that he's gone. And number two is that for the rest of our lives, we have to make sure that nobody ever Mm -hmm. forgets him and that nobody ever stops saying his name. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do now is just keep his legacy alive. And um, that's kind of what leads us to what we've done since then. 
So that's going to be my next question. I, I um, reached out to Jennifer Johansson Lowen. Uh, she lost her, he was a 2016 yes, Hans. Hans um, uh, it was a tragic accident, actually. I remember her telling me because we would we message back and forth and I have the mugs that she and we bought the t-shirt, the whole nine yards. And so she said, you know, a person dies twice. They die the first time they die. And then they die again. The last time their name is uttered. And so I'm so I try to be so cognizant and my husband and I will go visit Hans. We'll, they'll go visit um, Amador. We'll go uh, visit Jablonski. I, we try to do the rounds when we're on the yard and, and we we, then we say their names out loud, right? Because we want to remember them. So tell me about what you're doing to remember Duke um, because you started a foundation in his honor. What's the name of the foundation? Tell us the website and tell us about this this project that you're working on to make sure that, that Duke is always remembered. Absolutely. So the foundation is dukecarillofoundation.org. That's our website. So it's Duke, D-U-K-E, and then Carrillo, which is C-A-R-R-I-L-L-O, foundation.org. And my husband actually, you know, he formed the Duke Carrillo Foundation almost immediately after Duke passed away. And for me, I think he needed somewhere to focus his energies. Mm. He needed something concrete to latch onto. And I think mostly he just wanted to make sure that we never stopped honoring Duke or we never stopped trying to fulfill his legacy. And, you know, this was a real way forward for our family. At, at first, I, I didn't have a lot to do with the foundation for probably the first year or so. I, I think I needed to sit quietly with my grief and kind of learn to except the fact that Duke was gone and just to kind of figure out how I can process all that before I started sharing him with the world. Mm. And it wasn't that I didn't participate. I just kind of did it behind the scenes and kind of in the background. And my husband is a, um, we approach things very differently. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that one. (laughs) Yeah. I am a planner. I like details. I like want to know business plans, mission statement, goals, budgets. How are we going to make this happen? What are all the, you know, what's our, what are, what's going to happen with this? And he was basically like full steam ahead and he <laughs> jumped right in. And which is what I love about him. He's like, we're going to figure it all out. And I'm like, okay. So he has, you know, he had, he had big ideas. He still has big ideas and, and he puts himself a hundred percent percent behind them, you know, emotionally, financially in any way he can. And I just knew that I was thinking in my mind, I'm like such a, okay, but, 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 okay, but, but what about, okay, but what about, and, and I remember talking to him and I go, and this has to represent Duke exactly, or I, I can't do this. And, you know, he was just a hundred percent telling me it will, we will, we're going to do this and it's going to happen and we're going to, and, and it's, and it's going to be big. And so I finally <laughs> started started, you know, being able to get to the point where I was able to start throwing myself into the foundation and the work that we're doing. And that's kind of where, kind of where we are now. I've been very fortunate up to this point. I'm, I wasn't working. Like I told you, I'd kind of taken a little leave of absence from nursing. So mm-hmm. it was the right time. And that's basically where we are now. I do want to say one thing before I go any more into the foundation and I, okay. because I had taken some notes that the Navy in general and the United States Naval Academy, 
they are, have all been so supportive with us, with us, with the foundation, with us when Duke died, the Keikos that were, that were assigned to us. We had one of the best, worst experiences you could ever have. If you, if you, if someone's going to have this experience, they stepped up in ways and they still step up in ways that I didn't even know that they could. And I just wanted to say that we would probably have not have been able to start this foundation and do all this if we wouldn't have had such good people behind us at the very beginning. And I, so I just wanted to kind of put that out there about how lucky we were to be dealing with that kind of family at the very beginning. Thank you for, for doing that. And so as we talk a little bit more about the foundation, what is the mission of the foundation and how uh, you had mentioned your husband kind of started it almost immediately. Um, how did it begin and, and, and what's the mission? How does this represent um, Duke? Well, the mission of the Duke Carrillo Foundation is right now is we're awarding scholarship scholarships to college-bound dependents of military families. And we're also providing funding for the Duke Scholars Fund at the United States Naval Academy. So we founded the foundation in 2020 and we were, the purpose was to support military families and their children or who are attending college. And this year we awarded six scholarships locally in 2022. And we're going to hope to grow that statewide and nationally in the next three to five years. And the Duke Scholars Fund will be used to um, allow current midshipmen at the Naval Academy to participate in leadership enrichment programs, such as experiential leadership development, which is a kind of a fun thing, and also the International Cultural Immersion Program. And both of these, along with, you know, since Duke was on the path to become a naval aviator, and that was his goal. We also have goals and plans to develop some partnerships where we're going to start giving out scholarships that are directly related to flying and aviation and people's paths on getting going forward with aviation. So that is something that we're working on for the future. But currently, we have already given out six scholarships and are funding the Duke Scholars Fund there at the United States Naval Academy through the Alumni Association. Um, I think especially the I mean, the focus on the military families is just so touching and heartfelt and also at the Naval Academy, because these experiences are not always available to the midshipmen due to funding, and they're really important in helping them to become better officers, right? I mean, literally, that's that's it exactly, you know. People think that because you're at the Naval Academy that everything, nothing costs money, which you and I both know it does. It does. It does. <laughs> Duke, unfortunately, very lived a very short life. But um, so based on that, we, we wanted it to still be representative of Duke and what he was like when he lived and things that were important to him. And so, you know, with school and Naval Academy, which he loved and aviation. So that's kind of where we're focusing our mission statement right now. Okay. And that's where we're headed forward with just because we want to continue heading forward. Sometimes starting a foundation is not necessarily easy. So (laughs) especially under the circumstances that that you had to face. So what was the most difficult thing about starting the foundation? Well, okay. We knew what we wanted kind of, Mm -hmm. but, or what we needed to more, we really know what we needed and we wanted to honor Duke's legacy, but what that was actually going to look like was not near as easy. And just knowing you need to do something and then actually making it happen are two totally different things. Mm So just coming up with a mission statement was probably one of the most difficult aspects of starting the foundation in the very beginning. 
So we knew we wanted, like I said a minute ago, we wanted to give in a way that represented Duke in his short life. So his academic excellence, his commitment to service to his country, his love for the Navy, his love for the Naval Academy, and his love for aviation. But we just like, how do you do that? Right. So, because we're obviously new to this. They're, they're all pretty big too. They're all yeah. pretty big things. <laughs> but like, well, how do we do this? I'm a nurse. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely qualifies me. My husband's an airline pilot. He's definitely qualified to do this. So, <laughs> but you know what? We knew enough. We knew enough, just enough that we knew we needed to bring experienced, qualified, energetic people on board. And that's what we did. And they've been instrumental in helping us build the strong base that we need to be successful. And I remind myself daily that this foundation is still in its infancy Mm -hmm. and that we have to crawl and then we can walk and then we can run and we have to go in that order. I feel like personally, we've grown leaps and bounds since we started this in March of 2020, awarding the six scholarships to Duke's alma mater and funding the, and agree, having the agreement to fund the scholarships with the United States Naval Academy Alumni Association. We had a successful inaugural benefit last year in December, and this year we're holding our second annual benefit in November. Our group of volunteers is ever growing. We try to do things to keep Duke's name out there. We host tailgates at all the home games for the Navy at the Naval Academy. And we're gonna be doing that again this year. We encourage everyone to stop by, say hi, listen to some music, enjoy company. And we put out a big moose flag and the Texas flag so you can find us. Do you do you know where you, if you'll be located in a specific up until yesterday? Area? I could have told you yes, but we just oh. got an email from the um, Navy Sports saying <laughs> that they are re they resurfaced the whole area. And okay. so everybody's numbers have changed. Oh, oh and the lettering system has changed. So no, <laughs> not right now. Okay, not but, right now. You, but they we're going to probably so they can probably find out on the website. Absolutely. Um, you have a Facebook page as well for Absolutely. the foundation. Okay. Facebook page, Instagram, and so I will be okay. posting that as soon as I get a grip on exactly Perfect. where we are. But we also are looking for new ways to honor Duke and support him, whether they're adopting a road that's by our house that he walked and was on every single day of his life, and keeping that clean six times a year, or whether it's like new merchandise that we look are trying to sell to collect donations. But we understand that what we look like today and our mission today will just continue to change. And we hope that intrinsically as we grow, we continue to find needs and purposes and that our foundation will grow and change with those. Okay. That's our hope. Okay. I have a feeling that the foundation will do, will do well. It'll grow, um, especially with your passion and, I know that you're, you'll, you have so many people behind you uh, and it's such a worthwhile mission and it draws from such a wide array of people. Thank you. In thinking about the foundation and how it helps us remember Duke, can you give us an example or a memory of how, of how Duke lived out the foundation's mission? You have all day, right? (laughs) (laughs) I do. Our motto of the foundation is live like Duke. And it was actually started by a midshipman. Immediately after Duke died, we were presented with bracelets that were said, live like Duke. And it it took on a life of its own. And I I absolutely love it. We, um, it was one of the midshipmen that Duke attended naps with. And he was just so touched by Duke that he started this live like Duke campaign and presented us all with uh, bracelets. 
and we just adopted it because we cherished it so much. So that's kind of our foundation for every single thing that we do with the foundation is to, to make it appropriate to living like Duke. And what does that mean to live like Duke? So I have so many stories of, of, of how I think that Duke lived like Duke, but you know, we all think our kids special. I mean, we're supposed to, that's our, that's our goal. Like you should think your kid's special. And yeah, <laughs> so that, that's not anything new for me to sit here and tell you how special Duke was because we should all feel that way about our children. But I think that until he died, I didn't like know how special he was. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know what it really meant to live like Duke. And mm-hmm. an example of that was, it was the, the day of his viewing at the chapel mm-hmm. and the chapel was packed and I was awestruck. I mean, I was just like, I can't believe this many midshipmen on their time, their personal time chose to come to this viewing. And I was just really super touched by that. And I remember standing at the back of the church when we walked out after the, after the mass and a midshipman had come up to me and hugged me and they whispered something in my ear. And I remember thinking, oh, I can't leave now. Like I have to stay. So I stood back there at the back of that church and I just hugged. Now this was right before COVID. So we could do this, <laughs> but I just and it hugged and embraced all these midshipmen. And it, they were like five second snippets into the life of Duke and all the lives of so many people that he touched. And it was endless. And it was one of the best gifts that I could ever have been given. And I'll just give you a few of them that, that I remember <laughs> top, off the top of my head. Somebody would hug me and they would whisper in my ear, Duke's the only reason I passed calculus. I would have totally failed without him. Our Duke, I mean, like to to scary ones, you know, I just want you to know that Duke saved me from an abusive relationship. He helped me get the strength to get out. And Duke was the reason I stayed in the Navy. I was going to quit. And he told me if I can, if he can do it, then I could do it. I better not quit. And, and then I had a girl come up to me and she's like, in plebe summer, I was just done. And I, I, I was next to Duke. We were doing planks. I was physically, mentally, I was just exhausted and I couldn't go on. And I, I looked at Duke and I said, I'm done. And she said, he stuck out his elbow and he said, just rest all your weight on me. Oh my goodness. And I'll hold you up and we're going to get through this. And she goes, and we did. And he, I stayed in And I had a girl come up to me and she goes, I sprained my ankle when we were on summer tour in Japan and we were so far away from the boat and, or wherever they were staying. And she said, he fireman carried me two miles Um. back (laughs) and I had kids come up and go, I would have quit naps. I almost quit naps. Literally every day I tried to quit naps. And he said, Duke said, if I can finish naps, you can finish naps. And so I, I have a whole, just a box of letters from, from midshipmen and actually mothers and fathers of midshipmen of people that are just telling me what Duke, what it was like to live like Duke and how Duke had touched their lives. And I get little letters left at Duke's grave. There's just like little, little pieces of Duke's life and little thoughtful love notes and thank you notes and testaments on how they continue to live like Duke to this day. And amazing. I sat back at one point and said, did he have time to go to school? Like, what was he doing? Like, <laughs> who was this, what was this kid doing all the time? Didn't he have to go to school? But you know, if you knew Duke, you, you weren't shocked. Um, he, he placed no value on external things. He, he didn't care how popular you were or how popular he was or whether you were an athlete or a scholar or you were, you know, a musician, like he never cared. He just wanted to live his life to the fullest and he wanted everyone else to do the same. 
he loved to make himself like the butt of a joke just so that everyone else would feel at ease and everyone else would feel <laughs> comfortable in the surroundings. And everyone who met him, I believe, felt like they were truly his friend to the point that Dylan at one point said, you know, not everyone can be Duke's best friend. <laughs> but I think many of them were, you know, and for the last two years, Duke company, Duke's company at the Naval Academy, they've taken their plebe classes out to meet Duke. And they learn about what it was, what it means to continue to live like Duke. And a few of them have reached out to me personally, just to tell me how they wish they could have known him. And that, oh, and that's that means, wonderful. Oh my gosh. Like, that's so wonderful. I always say those are the little tidbits from heaven that you get when you're least mm-hmm. expecting it, that somebody just reaches out to you and says, Hey, I want to share this with you. And I, I can never get enough of them, but he just never said no. He's ever never said no to anyone that needed anything. And it could have been a ride or a word of encouragement, tutoring, a place to stay or just a laugh, but he never turned anybody away. And so I think that's what we try to remember when we go forward with this foundation and wanting it to grow and become something as to how we can live our lives every day to live like Duke and also honor his life that he lived. And that's why we keep it as our motto. That's uh, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing um, the stories and and truly what a what a gift to to you in that moment of grief to hear uh, what a difference he made in people's lives. Yeah, I mean you just hope you can only hope. I mean you hope for so many things for your kids, but mm-hmm. but to find out they're even maybe better people than you even thought they were is <laughs> is is like wow. You're like you're a pretty good guy. I mean this is this is something pretty spectacular. So. I have a lot of fondness for those, those things and the videos they sent me and the, and the words that I can read. And they made me books of all of that. And they did slideshows where they all talked about him. And those are things I will cherish for the rest of my life. And I hope they will too. And I hope that all these midshipmen that knew him and maybe the new ones that don't really get to meet him, but just get to hear about him, will find that this foundation is somewhere where they want to put their money and their energies and they want to see it succeed. And that's, one of my big hopes for us as well. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think so. And I, you had mentioned a little bit earlier about an event that you did in December and you're holding another one in this coming November. Can you tell us about the event where parents can find out more? Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. So first of all, I want to tell you, thank you. I want to tell you, thank you for giving me this opportunity to sit down with you and everyone and talk about Duke. And just as we said in the beginning, to say his name Mm -hmm. and especially to tell tell you about what we're doing with the foundation. It means so much to me and our family and our extended family. So what we do, so much of what we're doing right now is word of mouth. I really believe in my heart and soul that we will grow this foundation into something huge, but you know, I want this to stand the test of time, but without the help, obviously of all of our donors and volunteers, we could never do it. And because we just, we can't do it alone. And we hope that people will share our story with their friends and families and coworkers and just to anyone. And that they, maybe they'll be touched by what they see or read and will want to see us succeed. And that every donation and every opportunity Uh, makes a difference. We are all volunteers. We have no paid positions with with the foundation. So every dollar truly does make an impact. So if any of your listeners would like more information on our Live Like Duke second second annual benefit that's happening November 19th in Flower Mound, Texas, or they just want to go about and read about Duke, they can go to our website again, or they there's also contacts on that page that they can reach out to me at info at They can send us their email, their mailing address, 
and then it can, we can send them a save the date. We can get them the information for the Eventbrite tickets that are going to be going on, on in September 1st. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that can be done through the website. It just makes it easier on them to not have to remember a lot of different things. But the, the event's going to be super fun. In my personal opinion, it's going it it's going to be a lot, a lot like Duke. It's going to be country and western theme. It's going to be held at a ranch. It's going to have barbecue. Wait, wait, you're not going to have rap? <laughs> no, but he did. He was weird. He liked country music as much as he liked rap. It was just the rap that always like sent me into like this is the craziest music. But he he loved it. And so we're going to have dancing and dinner, drinks, a silent auction, and it's just going to be a lot of fun and it gives us an opportunity to be together with all the people that are so integral in making this foundation successful and it's also a benefit fundraiser so that we can make all the things that we've already said we're going to do come true for the next year and to continue to grow it so that next year we can give out more scholarships we can help more people at the naval academy and we can start giving away scholarships for for young women and men that are going into aviation so anytime somebody wants to reach out to us we are super responsive (laughs) and we love to hear from anyone if anybody has any questions go to our website and subscribe first of all or email me your information if you want me to send you a save a date I would love to and just be looking out for on Facebook and Instagram that we're going to be kind of uh, speaking it up and we're gathering patients for the silent auction and we've had wonderful people in Annapolis you know, a lot of y'all will recognize that have donated, opened up their hearts and donated some really neat things for us for the foundation to auction off. So we couldn't be more proud. We couldn't be more humble. Like if you can be humble and proud at the same time, we're both those things. And we're just honored. We're honored that so many people cared enough about Duke and us and our family that they want to see us succeed. And that, that makes me happy. That's wonderful. So um, they can go to Duke carillofoundation.org um, and then the email is info at dukecarillofoundation.org correct? correct yeah and it's november 19th at flower mound texas and so i guess you can buy a ticket to go or you could donate something for the silent auction or make a donation um, yeah you can make a donation um, and that would be a way to honor duke as well we're going to look to do some stuff in Annapolis as well, like I said, this is only our second year, so we, we kind of have to focus our energies in one direction at a time, but I've had a lot of people reach out to me and are like, do something up in the Northeast, so we'll get there, we're going to get yeah. there, we hope this grows enough to where we're able to do maybe a couple of years in different parts of the country. And then your tailgate as well. The parents should watch for the posts on the tailgate on where you're going to be located, and I think it's every home game. Right? Every home game, and it's... okay. I feel like I probably should have figured this out before as, as to the spot because I used to know it, but it's, it's, you know, when you come in off of a Taylor or Tyler, now I'm losing my mind, it's yeah. all the way on the other end. So, okay. yeah, but I will get as an exact spot now that they're re, re they renumbered them and, all. And I don't think there are too many people that put up a Texas and a moose flag. No, they're not <laughs> together. <laughs> it's very visible and we would love for them to come by and just introduce themselves, especially new parents and parents that are new to the Naval Academy. And we can just tell them how wonderful it is and, and just share our wonderful stories with them. And it's just a great family to be a part of. It, it is. It is. It's a privilege to be. It is a privilege. It's a privilege and an honor. And I, thank every day that we, that we're lucky enough to be a part of it. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. And I got to meet you. Oh, well, I got to meet you. (laughs) 
So I feel very blessed by that, uh, most definitely. And, and thank you for joining me on this podcast. Thank you for telling us your story. And I hope that this gets out to as many listeners as possible and that, that people learn about the foundation and that they seek to get involved. I always tell parents, especially new parents, that just as our kids serve, that we need to serve as well. Right now, my husband and I, I, I don't like the term empty nester. So my term is parents in rediscovery. <laughs> so I love it. And, and so you, you know, we, we need to take that energy that we used to put into our kids and put it into something that's worthwhile. Well, I encourage parents to get involved. If you're in Texas, if you're not in Texas, uh, I'm certainly going to find a way that I can help you and get involved as well. Is there any other way that the Navy family can help you uh, fulfill the vision for the foundation? No, just get the word out. You know, I think more people, the more people that know that we exist, the more people that will be excited about donating and excited about volunteering their time and being a part of this. And I want everybody to feel like that this is somewhere they can put their energies into and feel good about it, you know, and they just have to get to know us and get to know what the foundation is about. And I hope that they, that they see that when they, when they reach out to us, because we are very welcoming and we cannot tell people how excited we are to have people want to be part of this. (laughs) I'm sure. So (laughs) in addition to the website, your Instagram, uh, is there a hashtag that maybe you're using that maybe Uh, we do hashtag live like Duke Carrillo. Okay. Hashtag like Duke Carrillo, C-A-R-I. Yes. Or I-L-L-O. Because that way they can share it on their social media as well. So Right. And the, uh, the Facebook page is the Duke Creole Foundation. Okay. And it's at, I think our Instagram is at live like Duke. Perfect. Got all that all right. in. All right. So uh, thank you so much again for joining me for this great conversation. Although it's a tough conversation, I think it, it gives us hope. And just knowing that Duke has already made a difference in saving lives. It, it, to me is, is just uh, amazing. Uh, he's, he's like a guardian angel watching over all those kids. So leave uh, that with and, all my heart and soul. And I, we always end of course, with our go Navy beat army. So all I'll right. start it off by saying go Navy beat army. All right. Woo! <laughs>